Welcome to GWC podcast number 325, recorded May 19th, 2012. In this episode, we continue our formative geek media arc with my selection, War Games. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Heston. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart confusion. Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you can introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. Indeed. Sean's got his weevil, or is it weeble? Weeble. weeble. Yeah. <laughs> weevil. Weevil wobble, but weeble. they don't fall down. <laughs> weevil? Yeah. Like a wood weevil? <laughs> yeah. A worm. Sean has this pet bug. <laughs> wow. <laughs> weeble. Whatever. Audra, unaware. Of I never ch- had those when I was a kid. You never what? had weebles? Mm-mm, no. Are you kidding me? I had the uh, I had the little Fisher Price people, the ones that are like little cylinders for oh, bodies. Oh yeah, and you put them in like the bus. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and like you can like put them on your fingers. Or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A smaller cylinder bottom where they fit into the exactly. Peg. Yeah, yeah. I actually had this um, western set, like a. Th- it came with a saloon with a rooftop that you could lift a up. Saloon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had that. And you did. You know what I'm talking about. And then, and then, I had the it airplane. Came with a, I had the airplane. I had the bus. I had the. Saloon. It was like an airplane the, cut in half. It was like flat on top. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the Fisher Price people. <laughs> but the uh, the saloon came with a, a little stagecoach, and there was a seat on the top. Let's see, where did the woman sit? You remember the woman in the purple dress? There was a seat for the guy who would, who would yes. like you know the guy who holds the whip and you know eggs on the horses and then i think there's a woman <laughs> does she sit on top i think she sits on top yeah. of it instead of inside of it oh, yeah. and then there was a, really a place inside right and then there's a place on the back for you to put a little guy to kind of like the bellhop or whatever <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> the bellhop 
Well, whatever. The, there was a guy who Shotgun. came. There were some suitcases Shotgun. that belonged to the woman in the purple dress. And you, you put her in the top of the, the carriage. And then there was a guy. And then there were horses that you could attach to it. And then uh, <laughs> there was a, the a place on the back. Were like were like a horse cut off at the middle and then slightly smaller with a square bottom. Oh, yeah. You know, so that you would just like push the horse into <laughs> like the people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have legs. It just has just, like a slightly cut in section. Put it right there. <laughs> actually, the horses were like realistic. They had legs and they actually stood on their own legs. But, oh, man, I love that set. Yeah, I, I think my favorite was probably the helicopter. I, I mean, it had a little a blade that spun on top and everything, and it had a little cutout like ledge for two people. You put two people around there, and man, that helicopter got some action. It uh, we we mounted later on. It was it was the tragic uh, tragedy uh, struck when the we, tragic tragedy. Yeah, it was. It was, <laughs> it was, it was very. It was very tragic. Okay. Well. <laughs> Later on in life, you you uh, learn that plastic and firecrackers <laughs> work out super cool, yeah. and you can just fit a couple firecrackers in those little holes in the front of that thing, and you just sling it off the roof, light, light it, sling it off the roof, and watch it explode in midair. It was awesome. You know, this might surprise you about me, because you all know that I'm a very like risk-taking person. I, you know, I say I, that about I'm like, you all I'm the time. I'm very daring. Cliff you know, jumping. Yeah, yeah, just always like just going for it, you know, doing all kinds of dangerous things just to see Jason what will happen. Terrorists. But when I, <laughs> But when I had that little set, I was vigilant about keeping it. Like, I didn't want to get it banged up or scratched. And I remember my cousins came over who were at my same age and, and like... Uh, colored the rooftop of my saloon with a crayon <laughs> and i like flipped out i was like crayons are for drawing and coloring in books and on paper that's serious that's crap you destroyed my my stuff you know i didn't really like somebody can you imagine it's not cool though i go over to somebody's house and then color on their crap you know i know it's not cool I'd it's not beat cool. them to death with whatever crap whatever said crap they had just disfigured <laughs> it's okay to get blood on it it's just not cool to have yeah. I was wipes like, off I was very off. careful though I, I, I was like a little messy like cluttered but I was really careful with my stuff and I was like careful not to break it and I was careful with certain stuff like yeah. Transformers Lego uh, you know there was G.I. Joe stuff those all lived you know Star yeah. Wars stuff and everything anything from like toddler you know fisher price or anything like that yeah that that could die a horrible death you know the irony is i don't think tell me if i'm wrong here sean but i don't it wasn't that we like didn't care we wanted this stuff to stay cool you just wanted to experiment with it it. just seemed like a really cool idea to like blow it up forgetting that once you did it would be gone it never really occurred to me until after it blew up that i I was like yeah i would hmm. make those snap tight models for the express purpose of being exploded that's actually, I could see that. Because you, I mean, you could go to like the you hobby never, shop at yeah. the time and spend, I don't know, two, three bucks on a little car or a little tank or something like that. Nice. And, man, you stuff a bottle rocket in that sucker and it, it will, you know, have a problem after that. <laughs> and they were like super thin plastic and everything, so you could explode them. Those I did blow up. <laughs> you know, and did you ever have a friend, like there's always that one kid in your class or whatever, who every single thing he owns is broken? Oh, yeah. And it's it's not because... Because like, if you didn't, you were that kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's not because of like money or availability of toys. It's just that he, they break he or his siblings or, or both, like they just break everything. Yeah. Because I remember this kid was my friend and we go over and he had a, a younger... Like he and I were the same age and then his younger sister and my younger brother were the same age 
and uh i'd be like oh can we play operation and he's like yeah sure i don't have all the parts but you know and then it'd be like oh can we play legos and yeah sure i'm missing most of them but you know, oh, can, can we play this? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like all broken we and busted. We can play Legos, and but we can play Lego. I have one. Yeah. <laughs> we could play Lincoln Log. We could stack it on something. <laughs> yeah, can't really snap them together because have I only have one. Seen the uh, the Lego? Um, I cannot remember. It's it's called the Lego Heavy Weapon Division or something like that. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Oh no, it's awesome. Lego These, WMDs. Oh no, it's it's sweet. They've taken Legos. They're all like black technic looking stuff you remember those right yeah and uh some regular ones but they're all black right and constructed through the lego deal actual replicas of like uh, a magnum uh 50 caliber pistol and it actually shoots a little i mean it's got rubber bands and stuff for the power and everything like that but you can pull the slide back on it pop the trigger and it will shoot four maybe five feet you know as long as you get the trajectory right that's not gonna sell in texas because most no. kids already have their own guns. They oh, don't well, need any. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's cool. I mean, it actually works. You can put, pop the slide back and hit the trigger. They, they've got a, an actually, M1 Garand. You can like pull the slide back, and it's like a bolt-action rifle. You know, I there are two things. One is that I remember my dad and I used to just absolutely go gaga over that uh uh, over that car that had a working transmission. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And we could never afford it. Uh, but we used to go to, my dad and I used to go to the store and look at it. And You're talking uh, about a toy car, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Lego. No, it was Lego. Oh, okay. I couldn't I afford it either. I've seen oh, wow. it. Yeah, yeah. It was super cool. There's... I'm sorry, I didn't know you were talking about Lego. You're like, no, it was real. There was I mean, a you car could, and it had a working transmission. <laughs> it, it, you really could. It had the gears and they were all geared wow. separately and everything. Yeah, it was I mean, really it was, cool. Was it big enough where like you could get in it, or was no, it like it was a toy? Oh, okay. like this. thing, you know. But, but it really did. It was a couple hundred bucks. Dude. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was back then. Expensive. Holy all, crap! And you could see why. I mean, it had a lot of like, specialty parts. A couple in thousand only at FAO Schwartz. Uh, it had no, a couple no, thousand had. little Lego parts in this transmission. They had it at all the local places. We always we. We'd go and look at it and and wish we could have it. You know, my dad yeah. and I always wanted to build it together. But um, that was one thought. The other thought I had was, I don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, they have a system now where you can go. And, of course, for a number of years, they've had a, a Lego designer that you can download for free. Mm-hmm. And you can design things in Legos using whatever like it has all of the parts inventories of what parts are actually available from Lego and you can put it together. And then if you want, you can have it generate a parts list and you could order the parts and build it. But you can also build things with it. And now they have a social system where you can sign up and you can submit the, your design and it renders it pretty and everything. And people can vote on them. And the ones that get voted relatively high sometimes are turned into actual kits. Oh, that's awesome. That people can buy. And there's a like the Lego Death Star. That was one of them. Right. Um, you know, like the big one that they built on yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. The, the one that was like half built and all that kind My of stuff. My favorite one is the AT-AT. Yeah, AT-AT. That was one. But like um, a lot of people will, you'll see a lot of people now kind of pimping them like they used to with uh, with t-shirt designs and on those social sites and stuff where you'll see they're like, hey, go vote for my design. And it's always worth looking because a lot of them are really cool. I remember recently I saw one that what made me think of it was somebody had created a, a rifter nice. that looked really good. You that know, is a the ship Eve from spaceship. Eve, yeah. But it's a really cool looking Eve spaceship. It's like, uh, even if you don't give a damn about Eve, it's just a badass looking, very unique design, you know, and very unique. It's a unique design and it's just really 
it's really cool. It's one of those that you hope it gets made because you could see that, you know. There's uh, designs out, and I, if I had disposable income yeah, like this, exactly. I would totally do it. It's a, it's probably I don't know about 18 inches long and and probably about a foot wide. It's a Leclerc uh, tank. It's a oh, French wow. tank, yeah. and it's it's the tracks actually. <laughs> the tracks actually work, and the turret actually spins. Wow. And I mean, and it's it's a Leclerc. I mean, yeah. it is perfect. I if I had the cash, I'd totally do it, but I just don't. Yeah, I'm with you. Know, you. I don't have that kind of money. I mean, it'd be a couple hundred bucks to build all the parts for this thing, you know. And the the track links are what kill you, and the the bogey wheels and everything like that. I mean, it's it really does work, and it's motorized too. So I mean, you can it you know turns back and forth, and then go forward and back, and everything it doesn't climb very good because it's you know Lego and it's really heavy and doesn't have a lot of traction. Yeah, come but on, it super works, and and it's. It's really cool. I mean, the stuff that you can do with that thing now. Are you guys ready for some news? News. And now, water cooler news, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during this segment. Hey, hey, hey. I know everybody's got news. I do. (laughs) Um, I was looking at this as we were starting the cast. Um, Blade Runner... The new uh, yes. Blade Runner movie is going to be a sequel. Uh, Alcon is acknowledging the film is a sequel and that it takes place some years after the first film concluded. Uh, Fancher? Would make sense. Co-wrote the original Blade Runner based on the Phil K. Dick novel. Do Android's Dream Electric Sheep says uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, it started Harrison Ford with the uh, excitement on the project really escalated since the deadline revealed the last August that Scott would come back and revisit the source material as and actually, uh, in an interview, a recent interview, uh, Ridley Scott said, uh, funny enough, I started my first meetings on the Blade Runner sequel last week. Uh, we have a very good take on it. And we'll definitely be featuring a female protagonist. Oh, cool. So, Super cool. Yeah. Should have listened to Ridley. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It would be cool, too, if they brought back exactly the same cast. You see, I said exactly just for you, but like all I'm the not same sure how actors, that would work. like <laughs> Harrison Ford, you know, Edward James Olmos, Daryl Hannah, like all the same people. <laughs> the free oxygen tank supplied <laughs> on the set for everybody who, who could, everyone actually alive the last time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. A little major league there for you. Uh, <laughs> Free admission to anywhere in the park who was actually alive the last time the Indians won a pennant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so everybody kind of gets their walker, goes out to the set. I'm here to film Blade It's a cocoon crossover. <laughs> Daryl Hannah walks on set. Look at that ass! I used you to know. be a 10. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a 99. <laughs> <laughs> More of an older 10 now. That's going to be fun, though. I I hope so. I I really... I mean, the original Blade Runner I saw did not have the unicorn dream, so it was the Decker is not an android thing. Right. So, I mean, that's how I've always kind of viewed the film, which I've come to find out is now wrong, apparently, to the the later on editions. I have an opinion about that. I think that... um, I love when you start a conversation that way. I have an opinion about that. <laughs> well, I do. I, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, I, I th- and that's why I chose those words. I think that um, it, is, it is my opinion that uh, the, the media presented that way. 
you know, is, is open to interpretation in each form. So the movie that you saw is still its own entity. And I think that you taking that away from it makes perfect sense. That's just my, my yeah. take. You know, I, I think that the release, the, the re-release with the additional uh, information, making it relatively clear that, uh, you know, that, that he is, um, you know, that he is a replicant. Um, I don't think that, I don't think that means that the first one that was released in a, dis, they dis, I, isn't real or isn't, has no existence. You know what I'm saying? I'm, right. I'm kind of stumbling over this. You can, you, you can kind of take it as its own piece of art because it, it was the standing version for a long time, right? Yeah. I, I don't think that you can re, that you release a movie that, that has a particular ending and a particular is open to particular interpretations. And then people go away and interpret that. And then, uh, and then you release another one later and say, well, in my mind, you know, he really was a replicant. Uh, and then most people will say, well, that means he was a replicant. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It means that in this version, he's a replicant. Right. You know, in in the original, uh, he may or may not have been, you know. This is very much like, I guess, the film version of the, uh, you know, uh, of the author's intent versus yeah. interpretation. Well, I, was I, the re-release version, was that the director's cut? They released about 10 versions. Yeah, of there's, okay. a, there's a lot of them, and they, they differ very slightly on some, and and a lot you know there's there's a couple minutes of added material and others so i mean i have the original one on dvd which was the original cut mm-hmm. um, that's the one i that's I the one i've watching. watched many times yeah i yeah. grew up watching that one that one's yeah. the one i i like I to see um the the one we did when we reviewed it was the unicorn yep version uh indicating that he is indeed a replicant uh i'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do with the sequel and if they will address whether you know he was or wasn't and kind of i'm gonna bet move that, one that he canon. will be in the new one because yeah. that seems to be the direction that that scott wanted to go uh well definitely in later yeah. times and and that means that if he's he's you know running the new one or at least involved in the story and and everything that it's going to be that way yeah but but i i guess what i'm saying is is i would defend a, an interpretation that you know, you have an experience with the original one, you have a connection with it, and there's no reason that that should be any yeah. lesser than anything else. I always liked the idea that he was a real person and saw in her that, not you know, she was a replicant, but to him, it, there was no difference. I really liked seeing that from him. That's it. Have him be, that was a better story to me. I agree. And, and you know, in, in, in a number of ways, it's kind of like that... Um, you know, that kind of difficulty, uh, how can I say it? Like if you make an argument with a character, whether you mean to or not, right. But if there's an argument that a character represents some progressive view, and then you find out that, 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 you know, you can kind of disable that a little bit by either making the person, uh, you know, crazy, not in touch with their own reality or making that person not human. Right. You know, so it was sort of like the, the, uh, the, the strong female, awesome character of Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica is a little bit kind of uh, dampened slightly when you find out that she's not human, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's not, it doesn't go away, but it, it definitely is stronger when... It feels like a little bit of a cop-out. Well, just, a, it's just, I mean, it disconnects that person a little bit because instead of saying, look, here's this person 
this human being who is is progressive in this way you're like well here's this entity that could be progressive for other reasons and and that's an even stronger example of it is the one that you just gave sean i feel like uh i don't mean to hijack this if you mm-hmm. disagree nope but like you know the fact that i agree i saw decker as like this guy that was just very progressive and and thought of these these you know new entities as as being valuable in their own right and then if he is one, you'd be like, oh, well, of course he is one. You well, know? crap, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like- when, when that version came out, you know how I felt? Um, I cannot remember the name of the move. But in chess, when uh, one pawn goes too far over, and then you can pass it and go, you know, you can like double en pass. En passant. Yeah. And just cut him off at the knees, take the pawn, and you're done, right? That's how I felt when I found out Decker was actually a replicant. It's like, well, crap, you know? <laughs> That was the most beautiful part of the story. Now it's wrong. You know, I, I don't know that one. That, yeah, the new one doesn't bother me quite as much as it does you. But I agree entirely with your with your take. I mean, I, I I'm on the same page. I can feel I make like, like a horrible confession, and this is this is awful. Like I'm gonna have to give up my geek card for this. But you I'm, have to I'm, give up your geek. You're on a podcast, <laughs> yeah. sci-fi this, podcast. I know, I know. There is no more card carrying. Well, wait, wait until I say it. Um, I never liked robots. No, 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 no. I would never say that. I love robots. I, I know you've seen the movie. Of course. I've seen it a couple of times. I've never understood this movie. Really? I don't, like, I don't understand it. And when I'm watching it, I feel like I can't follow it. On what level? Um, you didn't understand. I mean, you understand, obviously, the action that was going on. But I, I mean, what? Yeah, I understand, like, immediately what's going on in the scenes. But I have a really hard time sort of putting it all together as a story making it gel in my head as something that makes sense. And when I watch it, I I feel like, and I I don't blame, I don't blame the movie at all for this. I've always blamed myself because there are so many people who. You see it a couple times before you really understand what everybody's motivation is. And have you read the. No, no. And probably I should. That's uh, yeah, that helps. Yeah, be, because I'm not like, the same at all. It's like a series of uh, modern art installations or something that are kind of cryptic and, and strung together. And I understand kind of what's going on in the moment, but overall I'm kind of like, what? Well, and, a lot of times you, you know, don't really, even though the story's different, like Chuck is saying, the, in the book they explain more about the, you understand the motivations of everybody better. Like why it's important, why the animals are important and why yeah, he yeah, yeah. that in the movie, why they, he tracks the animal instead of tracking the person. Cause it's easier to find the animal because there are none. You know, yeah. basically, and to have one is super important, and to have one that real, it can only come from a couple places. So he tracks that because it's easier to find the information on. They don't explain that. Yeah. Also, yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole thing they they downplay all of that in the movie, but in reality, it's the basis of the story still in the movie. Yeah. So having read the having read the story, it helps. The fact a lot. that they're on yeah. planet or off planet, or they're trying to leave the planet. Um, shows their motivation, what social class they're in, how they're going to get there, what they oh, think awesome. they're going to I mean, yeah. all of that okay. stuff plays in, and you don't really understand it unless you get a lot of the backstory, even though it does change some. The motivations of everybody are pretty clear, and you understand why he's tracking things the way he's done, doing it. And the movie is historic, has this historic significance. Like it's, I, I think it's surprising sometimes to people that it's so, I don't know, core uh, a, as a piece of art. Oh, it feels so modern. I think even now there, there's a whole bunch of reasons. It's one of those that hits on a bunch of levels. Like it's, it's famous as a, as an awesome classic sci-fi story. You know, it's famous as, as a piece of, of cinematic art. Well, Sid, 
Sid was doing some crazy stuff that you know people have not caught up with his his art his, design yeah, ethic. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a futurist, and his designs are. I don't know. Generally speaking, about twenty five years ahead of the curve. What was his full name again? The- I cannot remember now. It, Crap! I, I did it to you again. Meyer? I'm so sorry. I did uh, the same guy who who, yeah. who did the uh, Tron stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I wasn't trying but to put you on the spot. I every just. Time. I, I feel like I'm I'm totally ignorant about these things. Well, and- like if you if you like even in a a basic like media art class, you will almost not get through without this appearing. Yeah, it's. Like the classic intro scene, that's just that's that's the example for that type of work. Yeah, you see it in every right. I mean, I mean the he originally started out doing cars, right? And he he was incredibly gifted at doing future versions of things and what the stuff might look for in the future because he takes a different tack on it. How would we use this? What would we do? It, it is probably a Sid Meier actually. Um, I'm gonna look real quick. While while he's doing that, like that intro scene where you start with this incredibly slow push, like across the whole town, across the the futuristic desolate landscape and everything to the building and then to the window, you know, and to everything. And, and, and during that process, it's, it's kind of magic because not only is it, is it incredible uh, in terms of how it tells the story, it it literally the story narrows down as the shot narrows down. So like you you get the setting from it, then as you get closer, you realize there's this building, and and you wonder what who who's in this building and what kind of what kind of uh, organization is in there, and then who is this person and are they they're important in the organization because of where they are in the building, and then. Yeah. And then as you get closer to, you know, it's just, it's, it's really Sid Mead. Mead. What am I saying? Yeah. Close. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> he had this or has, or I guess, is he, did he die? I don't remember. I don't God, we're just lame when it comes God, to this. Just, anyway, he's got, so in so much of the, the vehicle, so much of the city, so much of the contrast and everything is his vision. Why are they there? What are they doing? How would they be working with this? How would this work? What what would that look like? Would it be, you know, what materials would it be made of? Do those materials get dirty? Do they age? Do they crack? Do they chip? Do they bend? All those things he takes into account before he makes the vehicle or makes the, the landscape or whatever it is he's doing. And all he has a fantastic ability, more than most other people on the planet right now, to make those all all those considerations into a cohesive unit. And Blade Runner was a very famous example of that. A lot of the visual design in the movie was was came from his drawings. So you got production design uh, that it's famous for. You've got cinematography sure. that it's famous for. Yeah. You got the story that it's famous for. You got a number of famous actors that come out of it. It's like every which way. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and and I'm sure everybody is going to be sending email and stuff like that when they stop the cast and, and ah uh, well, you know we weren't totally we weren't yeah. exactly prepared to have a discussion about Blade Runner, so but I don't uh, did stuff on Aliens and Tron yeah. and Blade Runner. I mean, most of the stuff that was very visually futuristic and very yeah. modern and hyper stylized yeah. came from came from this guy. You know, you were uh, you were talking about design and and the other. I know it's kind of a dumb you know example compared to that stuff but 
uh, the other day I was like waiting to turn out of our neighborhood and traffic was going by and I saw this, uh, I think it was a Nissan. It was a new, um, new model I haven't seen before. And it was kind of like an SUV. It was one of those like SUV cars. And, uh, but it looked really cool. Like it looked futuristic and it had these, uh, um, the headlights on it looked like alien eyes, like bug (laughs) eyes that were kind of slanted up on the sides. They were like super like flared out on the edges and, um, it had this weird kind of bubbly look and I just expected it to go, you know, by me. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like necessarily a cool car, but it just looked really futuristic. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. It, it was a really bold design, you know. I know you had a piece of news, Audra, that you really wanted to talk about this week. Yeah. Um, and this is really new. I mean, we just found out about this like hours ago. Um, but Dan Harmon has been uh, basically removed as the showrunner for Community. And the, I guess the production company's saying, well, Sony, I guess they're saying that he's still going to have some kind of consulting role. You're the most expensive link. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're, they're saying that he's still going to be available, perhaps, as a consultant. Um, they're also, uh, the, the two producers are leaving. The two executive producers are leaving and the people who are going to be in charge of the show, starting with the new season are going to be the people who did, uh, the TV show, just shoot me. Um, which I don't know. I have never seen, but, um, wait, was that the one with David Spade years ago? Mm -hmm. That wasn't great. Was it? It was okay. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, I mean, as the world was kind of waking up to the news of this this morning, and, you know, the community world, especially all the fans, um, from what I can tell on Twitter, most people are pretty dismayed about Harmon leaving. And Dan Harmon, kind of in Dan Harmon style, uh, created this uh, Tumblr page where he has this long um, letter, I guess, talking about, it's called like, like, what did I miss? Or like, I've been out of town for a day. What did I miss? And he comes back to find out that he's been booted. And he basically goes on kind of a rant and just says, you know, if they're saying I'm going to be a consultant, it's not true. You know, I don't know anything about this. Basically, I've been in touch with Sony as much as you have, and they haven't called me in, in like a year. And they, you know, they haven't told me anything. And- Look, this just to just to be clear, I mean, and and I think this is, I, and I don't, I'm not an expert. I really don't know, but I suspect that this is the kind of thing that has caused this to happen. But I mean, he, it literally covers everything from Commodore 64s and 300 baud modems to just talking to his mommy about getting beat up, like literally, and. You know, this is one of these things. I'm kind of of two minds with this. On one hand, Dan Harmon is a fracking genius when it comes to certain, you know, to show like this. A lot of what makes community amazing is sprung from Dan Harmon's mind. Yeah, the the kind of like genius level of humor that's like hard to keep up with comes from him. Yeah. And if you extract that from community, it's not going to work. You know, and, and, and I'm afraid, I think there's a high likelihood that that's what's getting ready to happen, that it's going to, you know, dumb down and then go away. But on the other hand, and, and this is just me being entirely selfish about this as a consumer, which I feel the right to do every now and then. I mean, you know, yes, 
we talk about it and everything. But when it comes down to it, I sit down like everybody else and I turn my TV on and I watch stuff, you know, and I, I enjoy it or I don't. And I got to admit that I, I think that with the way community was going in season three, uh, that that quite honestly, it couldn't survive the way it has. Uh, the fact that it's doing well critically and that it is interesting and it is a very, um, I don't know, highbrow humor show. I think it's not always enjoyable. And I, and, and the numbers have certainly shown that with it being very low for a, a network show in its position. And I, I think it's it so smart sometimes that it's almost inaccessible. Not even that. I mean, sometimes it's just not any fun. It's really smart. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. But it's not much fun to watch, you know, sometimes. And uh, sometimes, on the other hand, it's brilliant, you know, and it's just it is both smart and fun. And anyway, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think it would have it would have survived going the way it had gone and certainly based on the kinds of things that we've seen happen like his public feud with Chevy Chase uh, the things that while he may be completely right I mean let's face it Chevy Chase is definitely uh, he has a reputation for being kind of a douche yeah hard to work um, with but on the other hand I, I can see where he's coming from sometimes too at least from the public stuff that's been out there that you know if you said the things that uh, <clears throat> that Harmon had said about someone they would be pissed off you know and I, I don't know. Based on that and the kind of stuff in his Tumblr and everything, I, I wonder if if with him kind of flying off that way and and stirring the pot like that yeah. and the show not receiving the numbers it needs to, this show was dead as far as I can tell. This show was in its death throes already. So I guess I don't feel quite as scared about them replacing him because I kind of feel like we're going to get something and it could be bad. In fact, I think the chances are very good that it'll be bad. But it's an opportunity for the show to survive. But it might it not. not and, yeah, exactly. It might not. And and otherwise, it would have just been gone anyway. So it's a freebie. Let's see if it's crap. I'll just walk away. And I didn't really lose anything. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to I want to like very solidly back you up on that, Chuck. And I, I think it's important, you know, because it's important to know. For, for people to know that we've actually talked a lot about this and thought this through, like you and I have talked That's a true, lot about yeah. Dan Harmon, uh, you know, and I just, I'm aware also that we're kind of a minority in this, you know, from what I was looking at on Twitter, you know, it, Dan Harmon's been trending and stuff. And if you, if you look at the tweets and stuff, 99% of the tweets are just vastly supportive of Dan Harmon. And a lot of them are kind of like, yeah, screw them. You know, the, the show's going to go down the dumps. I'm, I've had it with NBC and all this. And, you know, I can understand because it sucks to have a show that you love, you know, be torn up or, or change like that. But I just want to I'm going to go ahead and stand by this, too. I agree with you. I, I think I think he's a mad genius and I think he's really unprofessional. And I kind of can't blame them for wanting to change things up. And I know that a lot of people may completely disagree, and I'm not trying to be a dick, you know, because I, I love the show, but there are times where it's not fun. And and I worry that his kind of, a couple of criticisms of Harmon have been that he uses the show basically for his own personal therapy. and Which and can be really cool. <laughs> it can be really cool, but also it can be just sort of disturbing and, and brilliant, but not really enjoyable. And, you know, I mean... There are a lot of good arguments for why it's still good art, 
it is good art. I won't argue with that. Yeah. Everything in season three has been good art. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I just, have to admit, I started watching it and then I, I was really excited and I watched everyone as soon as it came out. And then uh, when season three just started getting so well, it, it seems to have kind of picked up its uh, groove yeah. again. Yeah. You know, there was a little while where it was off. the Exactly. Rails I was going to say I kind of just let it languish on the yeah. DVR for a while and then kind of caught up when I had time and then got excited and started watching it again. So well, when it came back to the college, like it, it yeah. got better, I think. But yeah, you know, um, anyway, that I, I'm with you on that. And and please, you know, we're, we're not trying to be trolls or anything. Actually, if you disagree, me, that's totally not. cool. You know, I just I know people in are fact, upset. Let me say this. And this is in no way to try to uh, appease anyone else's opinion. This is my own, as was the previous one. Let me say, too, that I really hope that someone else uh, lights the Dan Harmon firecracker for their show and takes the risk because the man is obviously brilliant. And if you've listened to him, he's, he makes a couple of appearances on the uh, Nerdist Writers podcast. Yeah, yeah. Go check him out because you need to hear this guy regardless. Uh, I Like I said, I think he's brilliant. I think I hope somebody Man, else. The show is totally different from anything else that's ever come before it. It is scary. Giving him the keys to, you know, your business is scary. I think somebody should do it right away because there's a good chance you're going to get some really brilliant stuff out of it. Yeah, I guess it, <laughs> it hit me a little wrong. I guess I saw the the not fun episodes you guys were talking about because I, I saw like one or two and I went, not my speed. Yeah, and, watch the first season. The, the first second. season is just fracking funny, the whole thing all the and, way through. You know, I'm like, wow, I just do not need anything weird and messed up uh, right now. So I went back to Warehouse 13 at the time and never thought twice about it, you know, because Warehouse 13 is exactly my speed and it's fun and awesome and, and coolness. Uh, so I just never went back to this. So I, everybody to operators on my ass all the time about I need to watch it. But um, speaking of uh, NBC stuff. and Yeah, I was going to say, just if I could inject one other little thing in there. Uh, did did either of you guys see the uh, Karen Gillian uh, mentioning that she wanted to be on Inspector Space Time? No. Uh, no, I saw Nerdist uh, say something about that, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't get the full link. Like it wouldn't load or something. It's kind of a. It, that's awesome. It was a joke, and then there was, uh, you know, there was the thing with the fans that wanted to produce it, and, and NBC <laughs> told them no. And then there was kind of a rumor that NBC might make a, a funny one-off of it or something. In, in, in Community, um, Abed and Troy are huge fans of this TV show called Inspector Space Time. It's basically Doctor so it's a, Who. a Doctor Who ripoff, yeah. you know. Nice. <laughs> anyway. That's awesome. That's all. I just wanted to inject that into space time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, continuing with NBC, uh, they have uh, decided that they're going to go ahead and produce the uh, pirate drama. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Republic of Republic. <laughs> pirate soap opera. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Neil Cross will adapt Colin Woodard's book, The Republic of Pirates, which is set during the golden age of piracy in the 1700s and centers on the legendary pirate. Blackbeard. So the wait, wait. golden age a of pirate piracy. drama. You know what I was thinking? I thought now was the okay. golden age of piracy. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very Dawson's Creek, but with pirates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you remember the remember the star? I don't episode? think she likes me. Arr. <laughs> How could you leave me for my daughter? Are wasn't it two hundred? I'm not in, me. In I'm Stargate my twin when they were gonna they replace they're like yeah replace they were, them with younger with a younger crew and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and at the very she's like I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> it was the valid character. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was just so yeah. NBC is is really about 
six years too late to really cash in on the whole pirate thing. Uh, you know, guys, th- pirates are out. Bacon Johnny Depp in, and, okay? and Disney kind of cleared that whole all area in the out. Of the, you know? the Somali, like out off the coast <laughs> the, of Somalia. Holy crap, guys! Like, downloading illegal like TV shows. And People stuff. are into pirates. We need to do something with this. Wasn't that like they finished that series, man? They guys, the- guys, pirate pirates. Pirates were cool two years ago. Now it's bacon. You know, they, next they, year who knows? It'll next year it could be square windows. I mean, who they, knows? They did pirates the fourth so pirates movie. Yeah, they did the fourth <laughs> pirates movie with Depp, and, and they finally said, "Look, Johnny, we'll give you piles and piles of cash <laughs> just to do one more, please." I don't want piles. You know, I, so they. So yeah, so NBC behind the curve yet again. <laughs> there yeah. was, I saw I was walking past these two women yesterday in in public, and they were like, uh, you know, probably in their fifties, you know, wearing like blazers and skirts, like business dress. Sure. And uh, I heard one of them say something like, "Oh, no, a new movie," and and the other the other woman's like, "Is that the one with Johnny Depp?" Because I really like Johnny Depp. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That's a nice boy. That's a nice boy. (laughs) I love that Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's funny. I I was, uh, we were watching, oh, my uh, my parents just got back. They did um, Dark Shadows, the, I guess, last week, uh, which is the new vampire movies. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those spoof kind of vampire movies. Oh. I think Burton did it, and uh, oh yeah, it's who it's, else? Yeah, <laughs> scary movie, but vampires. <laughs> Let Burton. me guess, who did the music? Yeah. Was it Danny Elfman? Could it be <laughs> who played who played the old hag? Was it Helena Bonham Carter? Yeah. You know, it's like, wait a second, Burton got Depp to play a vampire? No, if you can't get you know? Helena Bonham Carter, Jack White would probably fill in. So. Yeah, yeah, whatever. They're the same person. Yeah. So they came back, you know, from this, and of course, my mom's a huge Johnny Depp fan. But like you're saying, you yeah. know, six year old, she goes, she goes, oh yeah, we. I'm like, did you guys see the Avengers? You know, and they're like, no, your mother drug me to Dark Shadows. And I'm like, you know, wow. you're not really a vampire guy, I know, but your mother's a Johnny Depp guy. And from the kitchen, you hear, I'd like to bend him in half like a pretzel. I'm like, <laughs> okay, mom. Do you have a good time with the movie? Yes, Thanks he was sharing. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'd like to fold him like a pretzel. I'm like, wow, mom, that's Sounds like, nah, 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 not nah. something I ever want to hear again, okay? <laughs> Go see Avengers. Yeah. But yeah. Did you see the uh, the Avengers high school yearbook photos? Someone made a collage of all, no. the, all the main characters, yeah. their actual high school yeah, yearbook. It's pretty cool. It's awesome. They all look pretty good. I mean, it's funny, though, the guy who plays um, Hawkeye <laughs> had a mullet. It's like, he has, it, As someone it who's cool. had a mullet, I cannot no, throw stones. But it was like the cool kind where it was like, it was it's a not spiked. Not like your shot, it was the cool kind. No, I mean, it was a, a spiked yeah. flat top. You know, like oh, yeah, those were cool. standing straight up and then long in the back. You know, that was like, as mullets went, <laughs> that was the, yeah. yeah. I mean, no. didn't Corey, um, <laughs> no. no, Corey Feldman had one of those. Oh, God. that one? Yeah. Oh, that was, that was never cool though, was it? Not ever. <laughs> I, was, I don't think that one was cool. That was that was that not, was for Hicks who thought they were cool. Yeah, you needed the Def Leppard mullet, not the yeah, not the Hick mullet. That's like the Mississippi mullet. You no, no, he one. had the cool one. Like the it was like all spiked up and flat and cut like 
razor cut across the top. I restate my then, my previous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, okay, no okay. not to interrupt the awesome mullet discussion. <laughs> You're your hair report. going in, but uh, I had one uh, one last piece of news. Wait, that, I wasn't done talking about high school pictures. <laughs> this is important. This mullet conversation is important. No, uh, Chris Hemsworth. It was so funny. I don't know how old he is, but his high school picture looked like it was about two years old. And it looked like, you know, a model, like a shot from GQ off the beach or something, you know, and he had like wet hair. He was what a, a lot- terrible surprise. Chris Hemsworth has always been good looking. I know, but he, but you Audra's know, news even- item, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> looked good when he was younger. <laughs> Not everybody did, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people who were like awesome looking who looked pretty average in their high school yet. pictures. <laughs> Yeah, what's there are a lot time of actors coming? who looked average in their high school pictures, and he doesn't. And, and it's this ridiculous shot. Most people in their high school pictures are like sitting in kind of an ill-fitting suit, you know, in a studio somewhere. And he's like shirtless on a beach with his hair dripping, you know, and like one arm up, like brushing it back. You know, it's like it's a model shot. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. Apparently, it's I also fun. have a retraction from last week. Apparently, my wife started listening to the cast, and and uh, I'm I cannot do math because I am not 35 years old anymore. Did you know that? I did. I didn't remember that. I'm about to be 37. Shannon's like, you're not 35. I'm aware of that. Like, you were born what? in 76, weren't you? Yes. I can't do math. Apparently, apparently, I still think of myself as 35. Roger's doing the math. Na, 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 you are 35. Na, na, na. Apparently not. <laughs> You'll be 36 in July, which makes you 35 now. I I don't know. I it's like you're you're not 35. I'm like really? Am I not? I was born in 76. I always thought of you as about 45. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Thank you. <laughs> I saw a guy yesterday. No. Sean, <laughs> Yesterday I saw a guy riding a ninja, a ninja two fifty, or is nice. it two fifty that you want? Yeah, oh, yeah. I saw actually two fifty R, but yeah. yeah, he was riding a ninja two fifty, and he had like those shoes on, and they were tied exactly the way you wear them, like with the laces, like always tied and and kind of like knotted stuffed up under the yeah. stuffed under it, yeah. Because yeah, and I'm like, I bet you anything that guy is exactly Sean's age, probably, which is thirty five. Which is thirty five. Let's see, two thousand twelve minus oh, God, nineteen seventy six. 36. Depends on what time of the year you yeah, were born. Yeah, it depends on what time of the year you were born. So, um, and, Which and was so, July. So you're 35. Thank um, God. I'm like, really? Is my math that bad? I don't think so. I thought you were older too. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to interrupt because I have one last piece of news and I'm not going to want to get dropped for hair discussion. Um, this is oh, actually really <laughs> important to me. I can turn you off here. You know that. <laughs> um, I proceed dare you. to turn me off. Do you off. remember Heathkit? Um, you remember Heathkit, Sean? You probably don't, Audra. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from that a cat that ago. was like Garfield, but ruder. That's yeah. Heathcliff. <laughs> yeah. Heathkit was a company Wait, those that bars? sold, uh, electronics kits back in the seventies. Yeah, I had I had a couple. I had a crystal radio and yeah, and all that kind of stuff. It so, was yeah. really cool. They offered. Uh, it was like kind of the way for people who didn't have any education in the field to get into building electronic things. Yeah, they Wait. had boards and stuff, and you could like yeah. put the stuff on. No, had, Chuck, I had one of those. 
It was it was like a, a platform with a bunch of little nodes on it, and no. you would take wires and. No, that's 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 the thing they sold at Radio Shack. That was like a, a hundred and one project kit or whatever. Heathkit sold science projects for kids. Heathkit sold actual like kits for various things, and they usually they range from like little real simple things like the crystal radio that Sean was talking about yeah. to like robots. You know, you could build, they had a fairly large robot that was programmable and everything. And this is in the seventies, remember? So it was really cool stuff. And they were really like one of the few purveyors of that sort of thing. So, and it was fairly reasonably priced. It was mail order back then, you know, would be on the internet now, but uh, it didn't translate as well. And the sad thing is, is that they finally completely closed their doors. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, the bad news is that uh, I guess in 2011, they, they had had a real hard time of it and they laid off most everyone still hoping to find a way to come back. And then uh, and then this year, they finally sh- shut the doors and said, look, it's not going to happen. And like if they had only tried to do it through a website, it would have worked <laughs> Well, I I think that they did. And I was going to say the good news about this is that I think they died mainly because this stuff has become so much more popular now. That is cool. That there's so much, there's competition in that field. They're gone, but there are actually better options, which is why they're gone. Yeah. And and I think that's... that's Bad for them, but... You know, but good for the world yeah, in, in a way. And I'm really sorry they couldn't have tra- find a way to transition into that because it would be nice to see a name that was so synonymous a with classic, that sort of thing yeah. back then. Well, continue, you never know. I mean, they could... Somebody, somebody could, buy the name. Somebody could buy the name <laughs> and, be cool and to some see, of like, the stock and all that. Since 1972, you're a robot. <laughs> well, you know, they, they did that with DeLorean. I mean, that shop down yeah. in Austin bought everything. They bought all the old parts. They had enough, uh, I think, what... Uh, it was just on 9,000 cars were built and they bought parts for the remaining 35,000 cars that were never well, built. As they well bought as tooling all the stuff and so and on. So, and stuff yeah. so they can make them forever now. I mean, they might do that with some of the heat kits. I mean, they, I, I think the thing is you can, number one, you don't need the kits that they make anymore because no, but you could buy the name and, and some of the, you and, know, and sell something else. But you know what? Yeah. I think, I think honestly, spark fun is probably as close to a replacement to that as you can get. I don't think I've heard of them. Uh, you and I actually saw them at Maker Fair way back because they were kind of getting started uh, back then. Or they've been around, but they weren't as big as they are now, but they're huge now. Uh, Sparkphone is... <laughs> no, it was before that. It was the one out in California. Oh, okay. Before the mousetrap. Um, but they, they sell uh, components and kits. And more importantly, they have a website which also keeps uh the data for the various uh you know all of the data sheets for everything a whole lot of instructions on how to use them they and combine that, them had that giant black robotic hand don't remember that like would do stuff on the table and stuff and shake your hand was that i don't that? remember they had a display but i just remember <laughs> that like a wallowitz project <laughs> it sounded kind of cool but i didn't have time to check it out because we were doing so much and then i stumbled into them when i was buying some parts uh, last week and i was like holy crap look at this it's a great it's very much like like heath kit you know there are people out there that sell all the individual components and of course now uh, you know you can order from anywhere online and oh, it's sure. easy yeah, and painless I mean, you can get anything anywhere but they still kind of had that heath kit sort of feel where it was like welcoming like when you came yeah. to the site it was really welcoming like on almost every page there are links to projects with it to other people's sites that talk about it to the data sheets to like you know it, it's they at their uh, home office they have classes where people can come and they and they teach you how to do stuff um, I recently, because of a class I'm taking next semester that requires some work with the Arduino, Ooh, yeah. 
I, I ordered one, you know, and I, I actually ordered it from Make because they have a pretty cool price kit that has a lot of the components with it that you can play with. And uh, wow, what a cool experience. Life has changed in this in this industry. It used to be uh, analog was it was all analog and it was a whole lot of like uh, putting components together to see one little thing happen. And then it only does one thing. Yeah, dad had a transistor radio from them. You know, at the same time I was uh-huh. building my oh, crystal yeah. radio, he had a transistor oh, yeah. radio, and it was like super cool. Hell yeah! I used to drool over the robot, yeah. and and uh, you know, in the course of a night, Mitch and I, uh, who uh, the co-host on on the Fit Smart podcast, he and I were sitting here playing around with the kit. We opened the box, right? Plugged it in, you know, pulled out the little breadboard and a couple of components, and over the with a getting started guide over the course of I don't know two and a half hours, right? We had written code to make the little thing. Um, you know, flash an LED, take in more. Boop, <laughs> boop. Well, more importantly, in China is turning the even though on. we were just dicking around with an LED and a couple of basic sensors, the bottom line is we had it reading in the course of a couple of hours knowing nothing. We had it reading both digital and analog inputs, um, doing things with them and making both digital and analog output. Yeah. So even though it was just an LED hook to it and we were like fading the LED up and down and and making it fade up and down based on light changes via a light sensor and stuff, it's the same thing you need to do any damn thing. What what most people don't understand is that is that that is compound building. You can take that, okay, we got an input in, we got an input out, we can do this and this and this. And then you can just start doing What do you want to do with that? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's crazy. Most people don't understand that's how computers work too. Yeah. And and the rest of Everything you see, you know, it's all built on these simple basic processes. And the more processes you have, you can have you bring three or four of them together, and now you can do almost anything within scale. And that's what makes the the Arduino is open source hardware and software. You can uh, you can buy these boards for a cup, you know, for like twenty thirty bucks. Yeah. But if you don't want to, you can find the plans, build your own. They put all make all of it available. Uh, all of the software to work with it that is free. Like a cool project that people could do with their kids too, like teenagers. Absolutely. Or, or even Hell younger, yes. you know? Back in the day, that's what you used to do. Yeah. I mean, my dad was, <laughs> I mean, grew up in the radio field and did radio in the military and, and later satellites and when it started transitioning to digital. So he wanted to teach me. And the first way you started back when he was a kid was with radios. Well, the Heath kits used to have all that kind of stuff. And he, I mean, See, you could do all kinds of stuff with them. You know? What you would appreciate, Sean, I think more, more than most even, is that the, the design between the the Arduino's design philosophy is to make uh, physical computing available to artists. Yeah. That was the concept. They were like, literally, we don't want you thinking about like how the crap works. We want you thinking about what do I want to do, do with this? With it? Yeah. And, and they really succeed in spades. I mean, you can pick up one of these things and it's no longer like, instead of like, Hey, let's build a crystal radio that picks up stuff. You're not going to listen to as a kid. Now, <laughs> instead you can do things like, Hey, let's let's replace our doorbell with a device that uh, that tweets me whenever the door doorbell rings. That's awesome. Or you know what? I would really like to know whether my garage door is open or not. I'm going to build a Wi-Fi enabled device that connects to my garage door. I think I'm actually going to do this because I've always wanted to. Uh, where I could I, where I can open an iPhone app that I write, punch a button, and it'll tell me whether my garage door is open or closed wherever I am in the world. You know, you can do this. It's not, it's no yeah. longer like super magic. It might take you a week or two of dicking around, but seriously, anybody could do this. Yeah. There's a guy at uh, the office that I work at that designed uh, a little deal that 
um, has light sensors uh, attached to each one of them. He can tell what room his dog is in no matter what room in the house because he's attached one to like every door frame. Oh, that's cool. And every time the dog passes, it, beep, you know, it'll, it'll light up. So he can tell where the dog is in the room or in the house anywhere at any time. No, That's awesome. I was just imagining weird. one, like a different colored light for each of the cats, you know, they, they could have a little collar <laughs> with like a little, you know, RF thing on there. RFID tag. Yeah, RFID tag on each of their collars. I feel so bad for Chuck because, you know, like when you talk about practical application, I'm interested. Like when you talk about like actually using it to track dogs and cats. But when you talk about like putting it together and the raw materials, like I'm not really that interested at that level and it's it's hard for me to like grasp it with my brain you know what so i started to get distracted chuck was telling me the other night he's like oh arduino arduino da, da, da. and i was like listening and and trying to focus and then my eyes started then, to glaze and, over and i was like arduino how do you spell that and he's like i, I don't know, know. The root word you know, so, comes so from. look it up and i'm like is that italian and he's like yes. i knew she'd yeah. do that <laughs> where does it originate I'm from so sorry Audra, these are That's made for know. you yeah they're not made for me they're made for you yeah. You know, you can work with these things. It uses a USB interface, so you don't have to, like, go buy a bunch of crap and figure it out. If oh, you have a cool. printer cable, really it's cool. an A to B type, I think, you know, yeah. one with a square on the end. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a printer cable laying around, you, you buy this little kit and you plug it in, download the free software. I have a book that shows you how to write programs for it. You could figure this out. And if you wanted to do something creative and fun with it, you could. It's for you. Every time Chuck takes a dump, you could be notified. I, yes. mean, I am notified because he shows up with an awesome idea like five <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> no, it might be kind of cool to do something like that with my office at work or, or something. Like, Hell yeah. Huh. It's kind of neat. Hell yeah. There's just all kinds of fun stuff you can do with this. And, and really exciting, really cool. Uh, they make all these various shields for them, they call it, because it has the pins, the input and output pins stand yeah. up on it in such a way that they make these... Uh, you know, add-on boards that just pop onto the top of it and reestablish the pins on the top. So only the pins that it uses are in there, so you don't have to build a bunch of mess. Uh, for the simple stuff, they make a little breadboard that you can attach to it so you can build your own circuits ah, the and try them out. Yeah. <laughs> and all these various, it's just really cool. I mean, they make shields that do virtually everything from uh, sensors like uh, uh, tilt sensors, accelerometers, um, just whatever, you know, you can order a few parts, dick around and have this thing going in no time. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you, I think it's really exciting. I'll post more as I dick around with it. But uh, this is one of those things that you shouldn't be glazing over about. If you're if you've ever thought, you know, it would be fun no, to make something to that does cool. X, Y, Z. This is for you. You know, go grab one. They're dirt cheap. You don't have to buy it from any one source. You can buy them from any spark fun is cool. They sell kits, uh, make sells kits. Um, a number of people do. You can buy the boards individually. It's on I Amazon. I had Fair a couple of years ago, you know, for like 10 bucks or something, they had this thing and I wish I had bought it so bad. It was a, a remote control and the only thing it did was turn off. Yeah, it's called TV Be Gone. TVs. They sell those on Make too. Yeah. You can make them. Oh, you can, because there have been so many times where, <laughs> I mean, it's rude. I you, you shouldn't do it, but you know, like I go to the oil change place or whatever and I have to sit and wait and I'll, I'll usually I'll almost always wait outside because I cannot stand the TV in there. It's always blaring and it's always Fox News and I'm just like, I yeah, just want to be like. It's Boop. essentially a little device <laughs> that has an IR transmitter on it and it cycles through the off codes for like a thousand different TVs. Oh, there's like TV an evil remote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about as evil as I get. Yeah. 
I will turn off the TV, the annoying TV that everybody hates at the oil change place. It's true. Remember the... Uh, and the world shall suffer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Audra's version of evil. <laughs> 2.0. Well, I am of course excited about this week because this is uh, this actually is one of my favorite movies as well. Yeah. But I think probably the single most formative, you know, piece of media that I saw when I was a kid. Jack's choice. I didn't yeah, this is this is my choice this week and I I didn't realize until I was just rewatching this for like the 10,000th time this morning uh to to get current, you know. As I was looking through it, I never thought about it in this way. I just thought, oh, it's this movie I like, and we watched it and everything. And then then this morning I was watching it thinking about, well, it is kind of a formative thing. Um, you know, I, I blew off one of the Star Wars movies like four times to see this in the theater. <laughs> like my mom was like, hey, we got a cheap ticket. Let's go to the theater. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's watch War Games. She's like, again. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, again, you know. And uh, Well, that's the reason you started doing computer programming. You mentioned that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but a whole lot of things were really, I, I, I didn't realize until this morning how much I ripped from this yeah. movie. It was awesome. He was pointing <laughs> stuff out the whole time. Like, that's how I got the idea to mount the speakers. And you look and in, in Lightman's room, there's like a, a shelf with speakers on it. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. But like we had an uh, apartment, this little apartment. And uh, I, I had some stereo speakers that were kind of, I don't know. They were old and crappy, but I found some inexpensive mounts and I mounted them uh, horizontally up near the ceiling, facing down a little bit in the bedroom. So, and then hid the wires in the corners. So essentially, and then under the carpet and everything. So we had this nice stereo system that you could play, you know, in there. But, <clears throat> but that was awesome. I think one of the biggest things, and this is kind of funny outside of the computer stuff, which By the way, I thought that was hot. Yeah. Whatever, I was like, you that's like so cool. You figured bounce, that out. Yeah. <laughs> party button but uh no one thing outside of the computer stuff even that we were talking about this morning was like you notice how uh lightman when he wants to figure something out goes to the library yeah yeah you know and and audra was laughing about how she's like he knows how to use a library you know? no it wasn't just the library it was that he knew how to look up print periodicals and you see him going to actually like the the printed versions of journals and pulling out those uh those binder category holders where there would be like 20 of them in there and i'm like that's just awesome because <laughs> i don't even do that anymore i mean well, i know i know how but i just don't and my students certainly don't i mean just to get them to use online resources, they're like, I don't know how to find it. You're like, type what you want and click search. It's a and little it, bit more complex than that, but well, yeah. But I mean, back then you had to like, you had to really go you had to and, know and what physically, you were doing. yeah. Stick one of your kids in that that environment in a library with you know periodical source materials. Like, what sorcery is this? You know, <laughs> they use the card the card catalog and is the, this uh, legal? <laughs> And what was the, uh, the machine? What do they call it? The, um, microfish. Yeah. Microfish, the microfish yeah. machine. Yeah. Well, depending on whether it was on a roll film or fish, if yeah, it was square. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, it was funny because when we were, t we were talking about this while we were watching it and you know, my mother, when I was a kid, I had a reading experience kind of similar to yours, Sean. Um, with me, I, and I probably mentioned this before, I mean, in 500 hours of podcasting, but you know, my mother said that she taught me to read because I was looking at, uh, I was crying because I couldn't read the little scroll on the screen, you know, that was going across the bottom. And I remember, though, later than this, of course, you know, 
my mom would take me to the library and I didn't quite get what was going on. I was pretty young and she, it was before school, you know, and she was, she said, she told me pretty much that the reason you need to know how to use the library and read for that matter, uh, reverse that in order. Right. Um, you know, the, she told me the reason you need to read is because, uh, you need to, if you want to know anything and other people, uh, you can either depend on other people to tell you, or, or ask them, right? Or if you can read, you can find it out for yourself. But the, the extension of that... That's one of, of that, the smartest things that anyone can tell anyone. Yeah, the That's extension awesome. of that was using the library. You know, because back then, in the 70s, I mean, you pretty much, if you want... Like, I, I was telling Audra today, you know how you habitually research things on your iPhone? I mean, like, if you see something interesting, you like, you hit your iPhone and or yeah. your, your smartphone and you'll go in and you'll look it up, right? Yeah, how many of those exist or where did that come from or who was that in that movie or whatever? Well, I mean, yeah, I did that when I was a kid too, you know? It's just, to do that, you went to the library because that's where all that crap was kept back then. It sucks compared to now. Uh, but it was so cool. He's like a pro at it. Well, the you know, and, and that was the other thing that came up in our discussion was how much of that is still applicable in terms of, obviously you don't use the same methodology that much anymore. Even for academic research, I find I don't use a lot of the library skills that my mom taught me. You know, it's pretty rare that I have to go to the damn library and find something in it. I can do that. If I need to, I know enough about it to be able to do that. And I certainly know who to ask. If I can be annoying and, and, and say something, I, I think the methodology is the same. The methods themselves are different, but the methodology, like the way of working through it yes, is the same. That's absolutely it. And that, that's what I was saying though. And I think that's something that sometimes uh, people miss, you know, like, like there's an advantage to having done it the old way. Um, I find uh, in a number of cases, like like there's an advantage to having learned to edit audio with a razor blade, because when you do it digitally, you know how to think about it. The the procedure is entirely different, but but the methodology is the same. And if you understand the methodology, instead of just punching buttons, you can do cool stuff with it. And it's the same thing with research. Like if you go off to find out about something, if you just type it into Google and if Google finds it, that's good or whatever Google returns. Well, that's what there is. That's scary. You know, you're you're turning over your your ability to Google. Google is very useful, extremely useful. Uh, but but I guess that you know because of the way I think about it, it's just another tool to find things. You know, and and if you're creative about how you do it, and this is kind of uh, uh, why the the hacker ethic in terms of of the old days, like like Lightman, you know, back in in the in the in the pre-dawn of online the online world doing these things uh i i think the concept of some people you give them a pile of tools and they say okay now i've learned to do these tools were created for this so that's what i do with them and then some people you give them a pile of tools and they're like look tools what can i do with this you know yeah and you're, you're not afraid to just plug them together however that you have to to get whatever you want and if that's not the way people normally plug them together well who cares you know look what i can do with it it's like what you guys were talking about the way you played with your toys you know when you were kids there were intended ways to play with the toys that they'd show you on the box or on the carton or the commercial but you guys came up with cool things to do with firecrackers and rubber bands and hot glue and all the other stuff that you did and you know i mean that's that's creative and 
even, I mean, I wasn't My father just, would beg to differ when he saw the exploded mess in the driveway, but yes, go ahead. Well, you know, the result might not be <laughs> well, what he you was want, wrong but, then, wasn't he? I'm and even kidding. though I wasn't, you know, uh, as like, I guess, destructive, you know, with, with a lot of the toys, I still found creative ways to like take toys from this set and make them work over here and, and use sure. their, you know, and we all do that and it's, it's cool, you know, it carries over. Yeah. Yeah. My proudest moment is like a seven-year-old was, uh, I had a, a remote control tank, go figure, <laughs> and a remote control Trans Am. And the Trans Am was pretty awesome, but it was one of those ones where you just hit the button and it backs up and turns left. Oh, yeah. It either goes straight or it backs up and turns left. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> all it sucks. I hated those. The tank was a full dual control and you could control both tracks. So I I was like, hmm, seven. Got a, got my dad's screwdriver, unscrewed the base for the car, and just took the entire top off the Trans Am, and then took the top off the tank, and then managed to like hot glue them together with a stolen hot glue gun from my mother, and glue the Trans Am to the top because the Trans Am was slightly wider and longer than the tank, so you just kind of spread it out, spread it out, and kind of put it over there. It was great. I had a tracked Trans Am. It was awesome until my dad that came is awesome. home. You know, it was until my dad came home. It was the sh- just the complete coolness. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it would run downstairs and do all kinds of stuff. And but that's what you did. You had tools and you had stuff and you play with it and you know, clues it all together. I didn't do anything that cool. The coolest thing I did was uh, I. I figured out how to make the the TV, this old busted TV that my dad found and he gave it to me for my room because it, it could work sort of. And uh, it didn't have a UHF antenna and it needed one. So I, I, I like managed to procure a UHF antenna and then I got a butter knife and <laughs> I didn't have a flat top <laughs> screwdriver. So I got a butter knife and I undid the things and it had bare wires that were stripped on the end of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I still remember the feel of them, you know, like straightening them out as you pull the ends out. And then I like took the bare wires and I wrapped them around the little flathead screws and then took the butter knife and stuck them in. And, and then I like used, uh, you know, tape or something to like get the UHF antenna to hang on the TV where it would work. And you're like, yeah. Talk about kludge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, it worked for at least three, four days before it fell down. <laughs> I remember when I was stu- the one time I was admitted to the hospital, I, I had a puncture wound that I had accidentally gotten, and I, I was there for a number of days. What about your broken toe? No, they don't admit you for a broken toe. They just like set it and you leave, you know. But um, I, I uh, what about that car accident <laughs> with your head injury or whatever? I didn't go to the hospital for that. Um, Smart. Yeah, went to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But uh, my personality changed radically, but pretty, pretty much yeah. it's my excuse for being an asshole. Yeah. But uh, how, how could I go to the hospital? They take my excuse away. But but it's like my diabetes while I was there, they built I do not have diabetes. They, oh, they from scrubs. Oh, right. Yeah. They built a uh, uh, my 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 dad or mom or somebody got me one of those little Radio Shack uh, radio kits. And I had built this uh, this little AM radio and it had a it, it just couldn't receive anything because they're just the antenna sucked. You know, and I was in the hospital. Plus the station had said it was eight feet away from the right. radio itself. It is not <laughs> right. going to get anything. If you smacked it up against the antenna, you'd be good. Yeah. You know, if you're sitting <laughs> in the touching. radio station, <laughs> you might get a signal. You know, where your your fillings would make it. But yeah. Braces would pick it up. Then you're good. It is God. No, but I yeah. what I ended up doing was I, I remember sitting there thinking and I looked over. I'm like, man, I really wish. I could hear something out of this. It would be really nice to hear some radio signal after building this thing. 
And I looked over and there was a radiator on the wall and I'm like, I'm on like the fourth floor or something. And I'm like, man, I bet there's a bunch of these radiators. They're all metal, right? They're all hooked together. So, uh, I, I grabbed this little, uh, this little piece of sandpaper and, and sanded off the uh, paint on it <laughs> and, uh, and hooked the antenna to it. That's where all those it. little chip spots come from on all the radios. And hooked the antenna to it. And man, that thing worked great. Yeah. It was awesome. I had like a four-star antenna. antenna. <laughs> I could pick up all kinds of radio stations. It was awesome. But yeah, I mean, like... It's, like, I think this one's from Brazil. <laughs> but it's funny how, how that ethic applies to even simple things like modern search. Like, I'm surprised sometimes. Like, I was sitting in a class one day, and the professor, like pulls this slide out on the screen that that has a you know that has a good old APA style reference at the end of it and I, I'm thinking man that seems really weird I'm not sure I agree with that you know so I immediately I have my I grab my laptop fire it up and I figure I'll just go get the paper you know and and the thing is is as a student I have access to the university's uh, subscriptions to everything in the freaking world almost yeah. when it comes to They've you, got huge database collections. Man, you'd be amazed what you can find in terms of scholarly work in there, like anything, pretty much. It, and they even have this automated system designed to help you figure out if they can get it for you or not. I bet they have over a million dollars in online subscriptions. Easily. So, and, and I have yet to be able to find one that is actually published anywhere reasonably that I couldn't find in, I don't know, a minute or two and have a copy of it. You know, the vast majority are available somewhere via digital copies as well these days. And it's great to be able to do that in class. I figured everybody did that. You know, I'm like, because it's so damn easy. You just go to the site, you know, be a little creative. Admittedly, there are some things that help. Like I discovered that the programmer in you comes out like I discovered that if you put colons in in the uh, uh, in in the titles, it almost never finds them. Mm, Yeah. The colon has meaning and sequel. And it's probably not getting oh. stripped out or, or properly escaped. So right, right. You, <laughs> I didn't try escaping it myself because I don't know what language the back end's in. But anyway. Uh, Sometimes it's confusing, too, because you don't know, like, what are the truncation symbols and, and right. there are some weird things. But Yeah. Well, and that's another thing is that it uses regular expressions. And, and I'm, I doubt very many non-computer science students understand regular expressions at all. Yeah, I don't. Regular expressions are cool. Wait, is that the same as Boolean? No. Okay. Regular expressions are like a whole series of special characters that allow you to tell it to do things. The oh, s- cool. The simple ones being like uh, replacing a character with a wild, a bunch of wild cards, like a wild card that says anything oh, after like this or anything before star, this. Like quotation, asterisk, quotation, stuff like that. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or question marks, you know, like anything in this character spot, or you can, you can tell it any number or uh, any letter or any symbol in this spot, or you can tell it any length of characters within this spot, or three characters, any three characters within this spot. There's That's all... way beyond. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about that. You know what? The the good news is is in Windows Search uh, works the same way. By the way, so I mean, if you've ever looked up those parameters, it's the same difference. The asterisk, the question mark, all that kind. Windows of stuff. Search is horrible, though. Yeah, but it works. <laughs> if yeah, you can bend it to do what you, you can need. bend it. Yeah, to if do yeah, that. I guess if you know the. And and I was going to say, you know, one of the beautiful things is that that and and this is an argument of how Google is indeed making us much smarter. We we did we kind of got into this a little bit in yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I saw the um, you tweeted to uh, Aragorn's girl the the two, oh, the links, two articles right? the, yeah. from the Atlantic. Yeah. Um. But but one thing that's kind of cool about it is that if you if you 
because so much information is available via search, you can focus your thought less on learning some specific thing and more on how you're going to apply it. So like, for example, you, Audra, you now know the important part, which is that there's this thing called regular expressions and that a lot of systems use it. So if you're using a search system, you could very quickly check to see if it does and then Google regular expression guide. Yeah. And it would give you a, you'd have everything. You don't need to remember that crap. It's out there, you know, just grab it. Same thing with like the, the Arduino incidentally, when we were working on it, I'm like, you know, I bet there's a reference for this language. You know, we don't need to look, learn any of this crap. Let's go find it, you know? <laughs> I, I, Same thing awesome. works with JavaScript. Oh, yeah. And anything. HTML5. And language. Any, anything. <laughs> Insert and hit go. Yeah. yeah. Although, <laughs> if we ever snake Pliskin this bad boy, we are all screwed, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't have access to it, it would we'd all be kind of dumb again in a lot of ways. <laughs> we'd have some high level language uh, knowledge that may not be that applicable to what to the world in general. But I'm not as much afraid of that as I am not being able to get what I want or make things happen. We'll be like know? one of those uh, those kids who's like 19 and they they have a job at Target or whatever, and they're super smart and they're in college and they know how to do all this like high tech stuff, but they don't know what like a carrot is. <laughs> or you check out some produce, it's like a pomegranate. They're like, what is it's pretty this? Pretty funny. This oil you speak of where does it go in my car oh god <laughs> it's true though like it, sometimes you go and and there'll be like they'll be really bright in certain ways but then you you like go to check out certain types of fruit and they just don't know like they can't tell the difference between like a zucchini and a cucumber or like they don't know what an avocado is or something you're like what well, what is wrong with you <laughs> you know what though it's a wonderful time that we live in because back then I don't know. Like, I don't know if, if you guys have ever had any content contact with like uh, the various costuming groups or something. Like, if you want to learn how to make uh, yeah. Halo armor, I am or so wanna... not worthy. I, I my that's niece like... is a furry, so she she <laughs> has like entire six outfits that she's built herself. Of uh... yeah, that stuff is like alchemy to me. Well, and that's <laughs> my point. Is like you know, if you want to learn that stuff, you can the. You, you kind of almost, the, the only real fast way is to get involved with the community. And the communities are very closed. Uh, some, you know, sometimes for copyright reasons, sometimes just because they're that kind of community, you know. And it's I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that that type of thing is more rare now. Like, to get involved with them, you know, you've got to go and read and, and figure, you know, essentially dedicate years to getting into it, even to the point where people will talk to you. And, and that's how computers used to be. Like if you wanted to, like in, in Whiteman's time, you know, in 1983, if you wanted to mess around with computers, I'm uh, making little finger quotes, you had to, it's, it's like trying to build halo armor now. You would have to go and find people that did that yeah. and then go to meetings for a year. Oh, like the guys then, in the computer lab that he talks right. to. Yeah. You know, and the equipment was, was uh, outstandingly expensive and and you probably couldn't own any lightman's parents were rich that stuff that he had was state- not cheap and not available yeah, yeah. it was like state-of-the-art stuff well, back then it's, it's thousands like, and thousands with of the costuming thing i mean you might understand like i have a basic working knowledge of fiberglass yeah yeah i do not know dick about right. fiberglass molding right or you know complex you know complex shapes and all that stuff and how to do it how to make yourself a a suit of armor that doesn't when you start molding it mechanical lock itself or right. anything like exactly. that you know where you can't get it back out of the mold release agents timing and all that kind of stuff that's all 
you have to know that from. I mean, I know enough to be dangerous, but if you see, said, I don't even know what's in fiberglass. Make it. Well, I know it's not glass. It depends. <laughs> Actually, it is. Yeah, it Aww. is. It's. it's I don't a, know anything about fiberglass. There, there's spun glass fibers that can come in a different consistency and everything. If you're doing actual fiberglass fabric, however, you can use anything with fiberglass resin and still make it a composite material. Yeah. And, you, you know, know but, but and, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm attacking these groups at all. I'm not. I get why they do that. I'm saying that I'm using them as an example of how it's as expensive messing a bitch to explain to people. Well, well and, and people who really take the time to become passionate and knowledgeable about something deserve to. Yes. You know, they have don't, a high level. You know, otherwise, kind of, they'd be overrun with like thousands of, of noobs, noobs you know, coming in saying, just tell me. Who make, aren't serious. Make me stuff for free. Or show me, armor. show me everything. And I don't want to do anything. And I get that. You know, I'm but I'm using it. As an example of how everything used to be like that yeah. like like that was it if you wanted to get into messing everything around with computers exclusive. you had to go through a huge process to do it and i am so glad that it's not that way anymore you know yeah fine scale modeling i've done that since i was a kid you know just recently it occurred to me because we were talking about it a couple of years back that you don't because that's a super exclusive group too they don't really talk to anybody but I wanted to learn how to to finish them correctly because anybody can put the kits together and all that kind of thing. But, you know, painting it, distressing it, you know, uh, those kind of things, changing it, modifying it, all that kind of – you can just look on the net now. You couldn't do that back in my midst. You can find videos of examples of how to do this and everything. You couldn't do that then. There wasn't a net to do right the way i got into computers back then was i had to when i was interested in that is uh my mother of course taught me to use the resources that were available so we started by signing me up for she checked and community ed courses taught at the college and around were actually not limited to adults so she registered me and i went and they kind of bulked at the first day and then we tried it out one day and it was fine so you know, then you're a novelty. So it worked out fine, you know, sure. and, uh, and then, uh, eventually, and I should have got her on to tell this story cause it's really funny, but we wanted to, uh, I, I wanted long-term access and they had a lab, a computer lab at, at the university there. And, uh, I, and you were like 12, right around this time or yeah, yeah, maybe 11 right around there. And, and she, you know, went up and asked, you know, could, could he use the computer lab? And of course, uh, found, luckily found somebody that was kind of interesting enough and said, well, I want to talk to him. And I remember they took me into a room with this person who asked me surprisingly, not mean questions, not like what the hell, but like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I want this and that. And I, I, and I got out my notebook and I thought he was interested, you know, got out my notebook and showed him the programs that I'd written and was trying to run in my mind and, and explain what I was doing with That's him, awesome. you know? And, uh, you know, I code with my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then we left and apparently he was like, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> and then, and they actually gave me a little thing. Let me use the computer lab. And, and that's how rock Chuck bot rock. <laughs> <laughs> but the, no, you know what though? It's funny. And, and I, I swear I was, I may have been one. I was talking to about this recently, but you know, I, that is actually the best way to learn programming because that's how you fix things. You know, is you look at it and you think, okay, this isn't me. I'm the computer. What did I actually tell it to do? You know, 
that's that's troubleshooting and programming. So the better you are at that, the better you are at programming, whatever the hell language it is or anything else. Yeah, you know? actually, as little as I know about programming, I think that applies to a lot of things. Like um, one of the things that I teach as part of the writing class and research is, uh, well, it was research. You know, when you when you have to write and make arguments, you have to know how to do research. And I don't leave it entirely up to the librarians to do that instruction. I feel like that's part of my job, too. And that's one of the things that I have to remind people is that these databases and search engines and stuff will do exactly what you tell them. So if you aren't giving them the keywords that they know, you have to come over here to look at the vocabulary that you need. Or, you know, if you put it like this, then it's going to think this and give it back to you like that. So the error is in how you say it or you know what I mean? It's like the same kind of same rules or rules. Same rules apply. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding a rule structure is the same thing. I got to throw out there real quick, Chuck. I don't think I don't think that a, that you can underestimate the value of having especially I think it helps that your parents had a college education, but it's not necessary for this. But to teach your kids early on that reading will give them a kind of independence that's hard to have without Hell it. Oh yes. And to teach them that if they want to learn about things, they have the ability to go and find out stuff on their own, that they don't have to completely depend yes. on others. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting information from other people, but to be able to think about things and, and pursue your own interests is huge. And on top of it, just being in an environment, libraries, schools, and colleges, it exposes you when you're like... 12 and you've been exposed to a college environment in a way where you've actually gone in and you've you've talked to people at a college and you've you see what it's like you know i mean for for me and a lot of people who are the first people in their family to go to college it's so new it's such a completely unusual experience that it's almost like an infinite number of things that you just can't predict because nothing else is like college and if your parents didn't go and nobody in your family went and no one else you know went, no one can prepare you for that stuff except for just trying to read about it, you know, or maybe visiting when you're old enough to go. But if you're a kid and you get that experience, every everybody that I've ever known who had some kind of exposure to college or to libraries in a way that opened them up to it at a young age has had kind of um, an open attitude toward it that I think is really helpful. You know, it doesn't mean that it's like a huge ad advantage that just automatically sends you soaring above everyone else, but I think it makes a difference, you know, and it's, I, I don't think that, um, I think people overlook sometimes how difficult it is for people who don't have that and who go through school just like with the bare minimum of resources and who don't know how to use this stuff and who didn't have parents teaching them that or who didn't have parents who encouraged them to read or parents who took them to the library, you know. So when they, they finally start using a library, they're like 18 years old and they just barely know how to do it. I just think it's awesome, you know, that you, you had that. and Yeah. Uh, see, and going in hand in hand with that, my this is one of the coolest things I, I rag on him a lot, but this is one of the coolest things about my dad. When I was a little kid, sort of like the same kind of age you're talking about, dad was in telecommunications and, and had, we had, we always had like phone gear and satellite gear, and all <laughs> just weird kind of crap laying around the house. And, uh, he was, um, you know, because my dad had a family pretty young, he didn't finish a whole bunch of school. He had an AA 
and then he went in the military to finish out a lot of his training because at the time satellites were a super new technology that was kind of just coming into the telecommunications industry and they were doing fiber op and all that. Anyway, afterwards, uh, he got out and was working for GTE. So we had just gear laying around the house and it wasn't computer gear, although we did have one or two of those uh, growing up. And all, we always had one in the house. We really weren't supposed to play with it, you know, without supervision. So we didn't jack up dad's machine, but phone gear, man, we do anything. I mean, I had an oscilloscope before I had a computer, you know, <laughs> I, no kidding. I had a fluke multimeter, all that kind of stuff. And he would show us how to deal with that. But because he didn't have that standard, like all the people he was competing with had doctorates and, uh, you know, master's degrees in these technology and education fields. And I remember sort of like the incident with your mom, he would sit me down and be like, son, whether they're more educated than you doesn't really matter. It just is a certificate saying that they know something you don't. So just learn what they know. Never be afraid of the gear. Never be afraid of the technology. Here, what is this? I'm like, I don't know what it is. He's like, it's an oscilloscope. You know what it does? No. Okay, well, let's turn it on and find out. You know, here's a manual. Here's, here's some stuff. And we could always, and he would leave it with us. And I'm like, what if I break it? What if I don't know what I'm doing? Well, then keep punching buttons. Let's see what it does. You know, and it's an oscilloscope. You can't hurt it. You know? <laughs> I mean, he was smart about it, but. It was always one of those things. Like I'm still to this day. If it's got buttons on it, I ain't scared of it. You know. And I, I grew mean, up. We're gonna find I grew out. up afraid of the gear. Yeah. So I I still have kind of a reticence to to tinker around. I'm more likely to go like one <laughs> or Chuck. Can you help me back up my drive? You, you know? know. It's got a manual somewhere. Let's see what it does. You know. And one time, well, I guess we were ten or twelve. He left enough gear around and enough stuff that we had kind of we made a functioning telephone switchboard in the house. It only had two phones and a little switch. But my brother and I could talk to each other. We'd strung wires through the... I mean, you could shout and hear each other. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not it's the not, point. It's not the point, but we made That's a cool. telephone You're making network. fun of Sean. I just want you to ask, have you ever text message or I am someone within your house? <laughs> now yes. you can be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, it, was, it was super cool. We made a fight and he came home and, instead, and we had gear strung out all over. I mean, we had oscilloscopes and multimeters and everything. So we checked the voltage, see if it was you know, going back and forth and configured the switch and everything. And I mean, it was a, it was a three position switch. It was A, center or B, you know, who gives a crap? But we made it work and we could talk to each other and all that stuff. And he was like so proud and asked us how we made it and, and what we did and everything. And since then I've never been scared of the gear. You know, it's got to have a manual. It's got some buttons on it. Let's figure it out. And Chuck's much the same way, you know, which is why we always build stuff. and everything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. How, also, how can we do that? <laughs> you know, what do we need? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the ethic that I'm talking about. And people will call it a hacker ethic. Because that's in vogue right now. But whatever the hell you want to call it. You want to know what it does. Yes. You want to accept that, you know, there aren't rules. There are rules that were in the universe, but they're not the ones you think they are. You know, if something was made to do a certain thing, that doesn't mean it has to do that. If somebody gives you a pile of tools, it's okay to reassemble those tools in new and unique ways to what get what you do? want. Like, yeah. I have a uterus. It doesn't mean that's the only thing I can do. <laughs> Use my ute. <laughs> you can do other things with it. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I have a list. See? So like I said, Chuck, you want to help me back up my drive? But yeah, I, I'm I'm just saying, I mean, that's, I think, a lot of what you see when you see Lightman in, in war games. You know, you see him messing with the computer and you see him doing things with the computer that you're not supposed to do. 
he's assembled the computer in a way that does what he wants it to do, not what it's supposed to do or what he's been told it would do. Um, you see him, uh, you see him messing with the phone to get the phone to do what he wants it to do. Uh, incidentally, trick worked. Used to. Well, Back yeah, in the day. Before yeah, you the could movie totally came do out. Oh, I'm talking about the uh, the payphone hack that you. Oh see yeah, no, do. you could totally do that. That used to work they, yeah. they digitized it and fixed well, it. I, I don't know if you anybody remembers is old enough to remember like me, but um, for the the first solution to that problem was they molded the handset in one piece, so you can't take the, unscrew the um, you can't unscrew the microphone anymore. The uh, second thing was that they actually modified them so that they work differently and required that. That's when you could hear the uh, the little tones that it makes when you drop the quarter through it or actually the, the little interruptions. Oh, right, right. Though you can actually do that as well. Um, phone hacking, uh, freaking, it was called back before uh, phishing. Like a box called the Freaker's word. Box and it would... It would oh, do you, no, I, they, I think I'd heard of that. Yeah, I mean, no, a lot of this stuff... A lot of it goes into the kind of urban myth type yeah, deal. Yeah, a lot of it gets bandied about because now it's sort of like the stuff you'll hear people talk about to pretend they are, you know, are cool in a way, which I think is awesome that people think that's cool and that's the way to used pretend. to be nerdy. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, back in the day, uh, there were a number of ways you could get free phone service. Um, the, the whole system was not as high tech as it is now. And uh, it used tones, you know, like like touch tones, but different ones to control uh, long distance calls and to switch them. Whistler did kind of the same thing. They alluded to Whistler doing the same. Whistler kind of thing is a in, joke in because, yeah. yeah, the original, the Captain Crunch thing, you know, you remember the uh, the joke that the, the whistle that came in the Captain Crunch box would blow a twenty six hundred hertz tone, oh, which was awesome. which was the tone that was used to create uh, to tell it to enter the mode that would allow you to to control it with additional touch tones. And if you had the 16-key touchtone box and you could play a 2600 hertz tone, you could make free phone calls. So those are the... Those Which are is the, how Whistler got his name. Right. You know, supposedly. At least the, I, that's what I assumed when yeah. I heard his name. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they allude to it when they say that he has all these uh, um, uh, phone crime yeah. things. You know. Anyway, but later on, I like I knew a guy that I hung out with in the very early bulletin board days who wanted to, the big thing there was you wanted to call bulletin boards that were out of state. And to do that, he had, there were, there were some new satellite systems that you could, uh, it was like the early phone card days. Like there was a satellite system that provided phone service with a card and, uh, he had found a way to, to predict the numbers that they use and would, oh, would wow. make calls on somebody else's card, you know, and that sort of thing. There's all kinds of crap Wait, on somebody else's card. So he was stealing money from people. Well, yeah, it's just like the people were stealing from the phone company, you know? Well, yeah, but... Just like Lightman was stealing from the phone company when he cheated the phone so that he could... Someone orders a bunch of sex toys and has them delivered to somebody else's saying, house. I'm not saying one's better or worse, but there's a difference between stealing from the phone company and then stealing from consumers who actually put cash on the car. Screw Bell. Well, they call, and <laughs> one would assume that they call and say, uh, hey, my car got screwed over, and they look, and they're not calls anywhere like the ones they make originating from places that aren't them, and they're like, well, okay. You know, but who you knows? <laughs> I didn't do it. He did it. You know, that's I'm how you just rationalize saying, it. <laughs> I didn't do it. You know, like in Superman three. But I, I didn't. Uh, Fractions I, of pennies. But I mean, that sort of thing later continued. You know, and a lot of, and that's the point is that a lot of the stuff these people did was kind of crappy. But um, there's it, always somebody trying to game the system. Yeah, but, but you know, back to Lightman. You know, the point is, is you see Lightman like when 
he escapes from NORAD, fat chance, right? But yeah, I was going to say, uh, no. Yeah, I love on. how they bring in the tourist groups and they've got like huge cameras and they're like, no photos, please. And I'm like, you let them bring those big cameras in? Yeah, it was really funny. Back then, uh, there's a funny story behind that. Anybody who's looked at IMDb probably knows this. But I remember as a kid, I saw the movie and I'm like, I wonder what the real one looks like. So I started looking and, you know, there just weren't photos of it until a number of years later. And I found one and it was in a coffee table book. And I, I wonder if it's at my mom's place. I should find it. But uh, I had bought this big military coffee table book because there was one little bitty picture that, of the actual facility later. Uh, and it's funny because the story goes, which you can find, I'm sure, in IMDb, that they did not have access to the real thing. And when they made the movie, they didn't know what it actually so looked they like. Guessed, and they made something that was actually way cooler than the real thing. They didn't you know? know about the Stargate and all that. And uh, in in the real one is like way less interesting than than their. Well, it's a military installation. Yeah, it's not going to be like all hyper cool, awesome hollowed out everything. volcano. You know, like they they do at Stargate. This. Yeah, and I guess too that the the other funny thing is that. Uh, the kind of movie lore with this is that the uh, uh, first of all, all of the displays that you see are animation and they used uh, they actually use film projectors to make it run. Are you serious? Yeah. And apparently it was extremely complex. And Those this, weren't real. No, no, no. They had to be timed. And yeah, and, I mean, it was ridiculous. Like literally they had to fire up all these film projectors and make them run at the right, right time. Eight minutes of shooting before the film runs out. Yep. And they had to shoot in short bits and everything. Yeah. And every it was apparently a nightmare. Are you talking about like when loop. it would show the maps of like yeah. U.S. and Russia and then yeah. it would show all the bombs? Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. That was that was actually an animation. animation they, somebody, they, oh, if wow. they wanted to redo the take or something like that, they'd have to back it up and then yeah, you know, it's run it again. It was incredibly expensive. Apparently that's where most of the budget went on the on the movie. But um, I, I guess that there were so many things, I, I guess, about this movie that just struck home to me. You know, I was into computers. I got into computers because of that, because uh, it was something that I could that was malleable and you could do yeah. these fun things with. And and I guess from an early age, I kind of picked that up and it's never it's always been I don't know that ethic has has done all kinds of things for me like you take a new job or something and you're just like well how's this work and you figure it out you know and then later on i had a i had a, a music instructor that offered some really good advice about how to teach yourself things and plug that together with a willingness to to use what you got in creative ways and you can do all kinds of crap whether you don't actually have to know that much to be able to make things go you know which is a useful skill i think hell yeah yeah. I think there there's kind of a an independent spirit about yeah. working with computers in that way that I can totally see why that would appeal to you when you were a kid, especially when you're a kid. And now, I mean, you're the same. You've got that same kind of uh, curiosity and always interested in finding out how stuff works and, and finding out how can I alter this or adapt it in an interesting way, you know, like pizza cam and, and all that yeah. stuff. Like, you know, that's so you. And I just think it's awesome that you... Uh, you latched onto that back then, like this is a, a way that I can go in and discover and tinker and, and make things work differently and be creative. And I've always felt like you as a person were a, like a, a blend, you know, like I guess you're artistic and creative, but you're also technical and scientific and you kind of like straddle that line, <laughs> you know, that's funny. Like there are some people who are, um, like extremely artistic and creative, but just maybe don't, you know, go to the other side at all and vice versa. 
But I always thought that you had a cool kind of mix where you you are creative, but you you want to do it in technical ways. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I have to say the the other thing about this movie that you know that is funny now is that when I watched it, it was before I went to high school, and of course he was in high school. So when I saw it, I was convinced that's what high school would be like. I thought that that whole thing, that little scene with the beepers tune, where you like come over the, you know the. Uh, yeah, and you you, you 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 know you get the establishing shot, and then the establishing shot of the arcade, and you cut in, and he's playing the arcade on the way to school, and then he goes into school, and I was like, that <laughs> is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, you know the idea of oh he plays and then he goes to school, and it's like he's completely awesome. on his own. Like you never see his parents except when they're at home eating dinner. And my high school experience was nothing at all like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, Who the hell was? I mean, yeah, nobody got that cool. I thought high school was going to be like it was in Back to the Future. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. I totally thought, oh man, you just show up, rock out a little while, skateboard to school, eh, things, uh, awesome Grab girlfriend. Onto the back of the truck, yeah. This is going to be great. I can't wait till high school. And I thought the same thing about like college. I thought, man, it's going to be like Animal House. It's going to be <laughs> freaking great. I totally want to go oh, to yeah. college. It, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's never like that. But yeah, there's, there's you know, the funny stuff. thing about, uh, Chuck was saying that Lightman's parents were pretty well off because they had all this gear that was not easy to get back. Wildly there. expensive. Well, the thing that, that struck me is funny is like they've got this really nice place. I mean, a pretty expensive house for that time in that location, you know, and uh, you see those beautiful hardwood floors and all this equipment and all the, you know, and then you get Lightman's dad who takes a piece of white, like Wonder Bread. And smears margarine all over it, and then takes a corn cob and rolls it in the bread, which it <laughs> it made me laugh because well that scene was funny with the uncooked corn and the the mom's like you can just taste all the vitamins in it. Of course it's crisp. Um, it's raw. <laughs> yeah. Well, people people are always doing that. Like even now, you know, like some some fad thing. Like oh, you can just taste the the vitamin D. Um, but like for me. That just was really funny because I, I imagine that people who are like of a higher socioeconomic class, I just can't imagine hey. them rolling a corn cob in their palm with a piece of Wonder Bread and, and butter in it, you know? I could see that. Sorry. I was a full grown adult until I understood like in Ferris Bueller that Sloan's parents and Cameron's <laughs> parents were freaking loaded. I mean, Sloan's yep. wearing a Cartier. His, you know, Cameron's dad oh, is a Ferrari. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. How, well off these people were i it didn't even occur to me when i was a kid <laughs> it, right over my head. <laughs> yeah i know i was the same way you get this like bent view of how how things are with that and and but it was funny because my idea of like the ultimate high school experience was that you would play with computers and go to the arcade and yeah and uh <laughs> very different from how it actually wound up in no you know, wichita like, falls texas Burke Burnett, notice worse. how independent people are in these movies though like oh, yeah. same with last week with flight of the navigator you know go get your brother he's walking home by himself through the woods i was you pretty know, independent like, like that i guess yeah i think a lot of kids were i think that the, you know, some of it's movie stuff, yeah. but some of it is reflective, I think, of the fact that kids really were, I think kids had a lot longer leash on them back then, you know? It's true. I mean, I remember my parents being like, you know, go play, like go out, you know, I'd be eight years old, they'd be like, go play outside. And I would just be out there for hours, like, you know, with my cousins or friends or, or whatever. Technically and speaking, they had no idea where you were. Exactly. They don't, they didn't check on us, you know, uh, as long as you were back in by dark or whatever, or like, yep. I'm going to go ride my bike and they'd say, you know, don't go more than so many miles away. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, and now again, it just my mom knew absolutely like everybody in the neighborhood and was more than likely on the phone with them at the time. Yeah, my parents didn't. I mean, my mom knew where I was within about 20, 30 feet, no matter where I was. Cause, I mean, she, they were always calling each other and they knew all their neighbors and blah, blah, blah. blah. I mean, how many times, uh, how many neighbors do you know? You know, right now, if you had to go around the street, how many neighbors could you greet by first name and know where they live? She could, Audra knows more than I do. She probably knows three or four. Yeah, three or four. Yeah. You know, it's a little different. I mean, back then. And that's I mean, a lot for, yeah. for today. Yeah. I mean, back then, I mean, you, I, I knew everybody. So did but my We mother. live in suburbia with, with, you know, where people have moats to try to pretend that they're rich. <laughs> The it's suburb, true. The suburbs you live used in the Ferrari Cartier type neighborhood. No, no, no. We don't. no. I live in the fake Cartier. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. For this area, you know. Well, I guess it's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, though, like, exactly. McCartier. Yeah. I live in the Cartier. Yeah. Uh, part of the, you know, what people want to pretend they can, but. They get the Ferrari that's really a Fiero. What they want is the George Bush compound down in, and what they have is, is a house on down. a postage stamp. Yeah. So they put up a 12 foot fence behind it and a moat so that with an automated gate so that they can feel rich. With a rubber you know? alligator. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. Awesome. Rubber alligator. <laughs> it pops up. It's like, grr. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Goes back out. That'd be great. With an automated light sensor and the alligator, you know, every time somebody walks by, grr. Grr. <laughs> you Oh, you're what? just taking the trash number on. You're okay. There are, uh, there is one other thing I want to point out because we're, we, we have to cut a little short this week. Scheduling sucks. Um, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours and, uh, and will, if you ask, which you probably don't want to, if you run into the me, next but, meetup. Yeah. But, uh, one thing I thought it was awesome when, uh, when, uh, you're like, uh, uh, he was, he was pretty old. He was 41. Oh yeah. That's old. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. Yeah, he I'm 41 old. by the way. Yeah. Anybody's wondering. <laughs> it's pretty old. Which I, I found particularly yeah, fun. We both like um, LOL. That was yeah. Awesome. That was, that was worth it. Um, I thought it was funny though. How, um, what's her name was like, Oh, he is amazing looking. <laughs> I, was like, I could see that. I mean, I don't think she meant like he's hot. She meant like he looks like this like super cool brainy guy who's doing amazing things. I think she meant he was hot. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't get that. You never then get or that. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've never gotten that. Maybe Aww. not. <laughs> no, I think she was like, yeah, he's handsome. Yeah, I think so. Which well, he he's kind of handsome, but. It, not the kind of handsome where like a 15 or 16 year old girl would swoon on a black and white screen. Well, smart is the new sexy. That's true. You know, she was obviously into smart. He yeah. had the kind of Gregory yeah. Peck thing going on or like the, you know, the floppy hair and the cardigan, which is kind he of He had the I Make Computers Learn in 1983 thing going on. Which he is, created an AI. I mean, yeah. seriously. And that was the other thing I was going to say. Uh, beyond thank you everybody for uh, for letting me you know, bring this in and no, talk about it awesome. in a very personal way, because it's, it's funny when Sean and I, um, when this first came up in discussion with Sean and I, a number of years later, I was like, yeah, war games. He's like, yeah, I like that movie. And he, and, and Sean was very focused on the AI and the sci-fi element of it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Cause I had never thought of that. And it's not that I'm just stupid or something. It's like, I, I've been so focused on what we talked about today, yeah. which is not, I think what most people care about in this movie that I was fascinated to see it again from the sci-fi side and to realize that there really is this cool sci-fi story. Well, we talked like, about yeah, that. It yeah. was, uh, it's not really sci-fi. I'm like, hell no. Yeah, it is. It's got an it's, AI. It's got an AI. By definition, that makes it sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and I think, uh, and we had some, some good talks about that. And we talked about it and reviewed in the cast, but yeah, it was a super cool. One of the most famous AIs in sci-fi movies. Agreed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, people still today will use Joshua. I was going to say, I still try that as a password for people. Yeah. If, if you know that they're kind of a (laughs) pencil, (laughs) that's awesome. That's another one. I used to use that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff and, and kind of quasi geek infused hacker lore comes from this movie. So, I mean, you will still see people name their robots, Joshua or, or their machines or something like that. I mean, you, it still happens. So yeah, it's, it's entrenched in geek lore. It's great stuff. But yeah, thank you everybody for, uh, for listening to me talk about this. And it's a really important thing to me and, uh, definitely a big factor in who I am today. And, and fun stuff. It was a great choice. Yeah, thanks. You got anything to add wrapping up, Audra? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't think so. Um, I had fun and going back over it and you know what I like to do in a movie like this just from that time period is kind of make fun of it as we go because oh, yeah. like especially the guys in the beginning, they're like these total stoners and I'm like, "Really? Like these are the guys?" That you have representing humanity, you know, working at NORAD. Though you'll remember, I pointed out that the that the idea was to show that they're fallible, and that's what makes them what makes them human and good, you know. And I think that yeah, that you was, want somebody thinking behind the switch. That was yeah, the yeah. overarching story, really, real point. It's not even the sci-fi or the hacker no, I mean, stuff. It was, it's that really was a way to get to that. People that are valuable, yeah. and this is why over technology, and that's what this movie's about. You know? Your computer systems. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, dumb question. In the beginning, we when that scene happens with the two guys, we see the younger guy pull a gun on the older guy. Yeah. They didn't know it was a test, so did he shoot him? Uh, no. Uh, in fact, what happened, they mentioned in the novel, novelization, which came afterward. It was not a novel beforehand. Uh, but um, what happened is that, and in fact, I think later you see something about on the screen behind him or something. I can't remember where I got this, but uh, you find out that essentially what happened is it was a test to find out how these people would respond. Yeah. And what they did was they 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 failed them. You know, they essentially, they probably uh, can the guy, you know, and. But I mean, how did they stop him from shooting the other guy? Well, he he didn't shoot him. It, it, they didn't I always have assumed to that he him. loaded his gun with blanks. No, or, or th- they loaded his gun with blanks or something. Or it just did. He didn't shoot him. You know, oh, he, you mean he the didn't young guy who pulled the, the gun was part of it? No, like, no, no. I'm saying that the guy yeah. didn't shoot him. He was threatening to, but he oh. didn't, you know. OK, how do you know? Like I said, I think it was in the novelization. Oh, okay. I think in the movie too. If you look when they talk about what happened and and the failure or whatever, they if you look in the background of the screen dead. behind him, there's something or yeah, yeah. It's not he didn't shoot him. Oh, okay, you know? that's cool. He was threatening Sorry, to. He was question. trying to make him do it, but it's it's just honestly, you know, I when, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. No, I was. We got to wrap up, so go ahead. I was just going to throw out one other thing. Chuck pointed out um, in the scene where. Uh, David is looking through that magazine or whatever, and the, he he finds the ad for the game computer, um, and his dad's eating the corn. Uh, if you listen to the the TV, like right before the TV uh, announcer starts talking about, like last night there was this incident at Noran. If you listen to like the little tidbits that you can hear coming through the TV, he says really hilarious stuff. They say something about a a prophylactic recycling center. Yeah, all the stuff on the TV except for the items that are important are hilarious. 
And then wow, after the prophylactic recycling, he says something, and then the plague is beginning to spread. <laughs> There's like a bunch of them. Check it out. Look at wow. all those little news items like that. Or I, I can't remember if there's a radio thing, but they're they're funny. It's definitely uh, one of the little like in jokes in the movie. Nice, Sean. You got anything to add here? Uh, just next week, it's my turn. Awesome. Uh, it's uh, Hero in the Crown by Robin McKinley. When? Uh, super short book. Uh, it's easy to find. You can find it almost anywhere. Uh, go to a used bookstore. They probably got like 20 copies of it. Check <laughs> it out. Uh, next week is going to be my turn. So it'll be kind of cool. Awesome. Uh, one last quick thing. Uh, I am actually going to be in Phoenix next weekend or near actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know what my schedule is like yet, but I'm going to try to hook up with some GWCers if, if the opportunity the, arises. The 25th, 6th, 7th. 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, I think. Something like that. Um, I'm not quite sure. I know that Phoenix Comic Con is that weekend, so I think most people are going to be busy and, and my schedule may be screwed up as well. But I started a thread on the forum. So if you are in that area and you think you might be able to uh, meet up or something or would like to, uh, just check out that thread and you can drop in the times and kind of things. And, and depending on how all our schedules work, maybe we can uh, hook up. So Sweet. We will see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, forum moderators Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frackentalos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. We're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.